0: hi everyone and welcome to the go tech please and die podcast a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying i'm nathan i'm evan and it's just the two of us this weekend that's probably for the best because we have quite a bit of misery to work through as we have players transferring out two basketball losses and uh well i mean bucky's is still coming to town so i guess there's some room for optimism
1: yeah yeah the the beaver can't get here soon enough man
0: was it 2025, I think, is when it's supposed to be open?
1: Yeah. 2026,
0: something like that.
1: That seems like it's a lot further away than it is, though. That sounds fair. like it should be 10 years from now. However, yeah, I, I guess it calendar. should be which will
0: come first, the Buckies or Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee bailing out Conference USA. But I mm-hmm. guess that's a discussion from another time. Because at, for right now, both those teams are on our football schedule for next year. That schedule dropped this week.
1: Yeah. Uh, I I just before we even go through this, I just want to say I hate this schedule. I think it's bad. Um, I don't like playing a week zero conference game, even if it's FIU, uh, because normally I'd say, oh well, that's great. We'll just open up one and zero in conference. But uh, FIU beat us last year, and I got a lot more question marks right now about our team that's going to be on the field August twenty sixth. But anyway, uh, the SMU game I'm excited about not because I think we'll win, but because it's twenty minutes from my house northwestern state will be cool because my lone sibling the one of the six of us who did not go to tech went to northwestern and is a student there now uh they'll probably bring their band up he plays tuba so shout out matthew who doesn't listen <laughs> to this show uh better start
0: doing some yeah. pregame learning some stuff
1: but then we have an out of conference game which is weird to say a uh, home game with north texas on september 16th that's a saturday and rounding out the non-conference a game Matt is very excited about as you've heard uh at Nebraska September 23rd which I guess we'll talk about transfers in a second but you know could be a little bit of a revenge spot for our boy DeColdis Crawford who's now uh who's now a Blue Louisiana Tech Bulldog
0: yeah so wait you're saying that Nebraska is not in the same conference as us I'm, I'm confused about which teams uh moved around where
1: yeah that's yeah, I mean, Nebraska did did leave the Big 12 a while back, but I don't think they're leaving the Big 10 for Conference USA anytime soon.
0: Yet. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> keep our eyes on that one. Yeah, after that, that's when we start getting funky with the days of the week in terms of when we're playing. I guess yeah. the days themselves stay pretty much the same. But Friday, September 29th, Tech will travel to El Paso to take on UTEP. The following week, they'll head back home to face Western Kentucky on Thursday, October 5th. Then Tuesday, October 10th, Tech will travel to Murfreesboro to take on Middle Tennessee. Then they get the bye week after, was that two games in
1: five days? Five I mean, days, yeah. I, I think they need to change that, honestly. I don't think that's safe for the players. I mean, I guess you're talking about the same distance between like a Sunday NFL game to a Thursday NFL game, but I don't know, man. These are kids, you know? These aren't professional athletes. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't like it at all Thursday to Tuesday and then give us the bye week. Then like it feels like you could have scheduled that better. Yeah,
0: Luckily, the dogs will have some time to lick their wounds for that bye week for uh, any yeah. kind of issues that come out of that that Thursday to Tuesday uh, turnaround, especially going on the road for the second game of that. But after the bye week, Tech stays at home for a game against New Mexico State and conference made again. And actually, the end of our year is all against new conference mates. So there's New Mexico State. The next week, Tech travels to Liberty and Lynchburg, Virginia to take on the Flames. On Saturday, November 4th, we're back to a normal day of the week because we have entered November. Then at home against Sam Houston on November 11th at Jacksonville State and Jacksonville, Alabama on November 18th. And then the game after Thanksgiving is against nobody. We have a bye week. We do not have a post-Thanksgiving game this week, this year.
1: So I, I know we don't want to spend a ton of time on this schedule right now. It's January 17th. However, uh, I hate the the five, or like four day turnaround between October 5th and October 10th. Uh, I mean, you got to travel on October 9th. Like that is insane. That is that is not good. I don't know when they're going to do homecoming. I mean, it's either got to be like if you're doing it on a Saturday, it's got to be September 16th or November 11th. Yeah, Um, And I know we've done early November homecoming before, but God, next year might be rough and we'll be, that's the 11th game of the season. You know, who knows what our record will be like? 10 and 0. uh, Yeah. 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 I I agree. 10 and 0 for sure. Um, Who's our quarterback again? (laughs) Um, Champ. uh, We'll figure, we'll figure something out. Yeah, Champ. Daniel Adams has some ability left from band. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Well, we know who it won't
0: be. (laughs) <laughs> because the other football news to talk about this week is Landry Liddy's transfer.
1: Yeah, and and just one more thing on the schedule. I, I know we need to move on, but the season could be over, like, in the middle of November. Like, November 18th is the last game, and I know that the after Thanksgiving game sucks, but, like, if we're not going bowling, like, we're done with football like before november is even really like before thanksgiving that's crazy i don't like it at all i don't like anything about this schedule you know i got four games i can maybe go to you know five including smu but like man i i just i just don't like it it's poorly executed by the conference i think it's it's bad all around so speaking of things that are bad all around <laughs> uh yeah Landry Liddy uh, is bad all
0: around. I mean, he wasn't playing his best no, the game. Fact,
1: the fact that he's leaving is bad all around. Oh, OK. Right?
0: Yeah. Don't know where he's going to yet. There have been rumors, but there have been he, rumors on
1: those rumors. Nah, you he he committed to UAB. He's, oh, did he? he OK. Yeah, I thought that was a to UAB. Yeah. OK. Well. Yep. <laughs> Hence it being bad all around. Uh, at least they're not in our conference anymore, I guess.
0: True. I mean, they still are right now, but they won't be. Yeah. The next time Liddy takes the football field. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I felt like we we felt very good about the fact that he even chose to stay for the year that he was here. And it obviously sucks to lose someone who we could have seen being the starting quarterback moving forward. I, I would have felt better about a year or two from now seeing where he's at. But with everything that's happening, I have no idea what we're going to look like a year or two from now. So I can't really blame him for wanting to go to, I guess UAB is now a more stable environment. They've got their own coaching issues to figure out.
1: Yeah. I mean, from, from what it seems like, it just wasn't really Liddy was recruited by skip. Right. And he decided sort of, I think he wanted to stay close to home. He wanted to come to tech. That's what he said in his, in his, uh, you know, goodbye message, right. Was that it was a dream come true to play for tech. And like, you know, it's, it just what he wasn't Cumby's guy and and Cumby wasn't his guy. And it just like, it wasn't the best match between them is kind of what it seems like. and. You know, we're not in that room, we're not we're not there, so it's hard for us to speculate, but we obviously wish him good luck and you know, wish he wasn't going to UAB, but it is what it is, I guess, right? He he's going to play for Trent Dilfer, which is pretty cool. So anyway. I mean, to be fair, good. the guy's
0: name is Trent. That doesn't sound that cool to me.
1: <laughs> hey, Trent Taylor takes issue yeah. with that. Well, Trent Taylor's mad at me already for the bot yeah. that
0: tweeted out what his <laughs> stats were this week in the playoffs, so <laughs> I guess me and my boy Trent have beef now.
1: Yeah, apparently. Um, but yeah,
0: like you said, none of us have been in the room or have been in any of the rooms that have happened over the course of the season between, uh, Sonny Cumbie and Landry Letty, but a room that Evan, at least you were in this week was the the super Pit. pit.
1: Yeah, I was there, um, made the drive up to, uh, to Denton from, from my home and, uh, yeah, I would. I would honestly say, just right from the outset, that it was worth the drive. It was a good game. Um, ultimately, we did not win the game, as you all know, if you're listening to this show. But pretty decent showing uh, from the Bulldogs, at least in the second half. Um, so, yeah, Nathan, why don't you uh, take us through the the quick game recap here?
0: Yeah, it was a defensive struggle that was promised, and boy, did it deliver. As each team was only able to put up 14 points through the first 10 minutes. But then the Mean Green offense ignited, rattling off a 22-4 run over the next 10 minutes, going into the half up 36-18. But coming out of the locker room, it didn't take long for Tech to start to find their footing, rattling off seven straight possessions with a score and cutting into the North Texas lead, making it a nine-point lead by the Mean Green, 43-34 with 14 minutes left. A few minutes later, a 10-0 run by the Bulldogs made it a one-point game, And now it's exciting. 49 to 48, North Texas, with six and a half minutes left in the game. But as quickly as Tech grabbed that momentum, North Texas grabbed it back with a quick eight to nothing run to make it a nine point game with five minutes left. But then Isaiah Crawford kind of took over. Starting at the four minute mark, Crawford hits a jumper to make it 61 to 55 UNT. There's a missed shot on the other end, and Isaiah gets Tech a little closer with another jump shot, making it 61 to 57, a four point deficit. North Texas's Tyler Perry hits a three, but then he fouls Crawford on the other end, who hits both his free throws. The lead by North Texas is now five, 64-59. Tyler Perry is fouled and only hits one of two free throws, but then Crawford, Isaiah Crawford to be specific, is fouled two on Tech's end of the floor and hits both of his free throws, making it 65-61, four-point deficit. Tyler Perry, whose name I keep saying, although he's as involved as Crawford has been, turns the ball over and now it's Kobe's turn to hit free throws. Lead is now two by North Texas, 65 to 63. Abu Usman gets fouled and misses both his free throws.
1: Those shots were awful. Yeah. So bad.
0: (laughs) Kind of feel for the guy, but he'd be happy with the result of the game. But that newsman also fouls Crawford on the other end. His night is not done. And Isaiah hits both of his free throws to tie the game at 65 with 18 seconds left. Tech needs one defensive stop to go to overtime. And we saw a week ago what happens when Tech goes to overtime. Sometimes good things happen.
1: Yeah, we had a but... lot of momentum at that point too, Yeah. Yeah, but as we saw earlier in this game, momentum
0: doesn't mean everything. North Texas' Kai Huntsbury delivers the fatal blow with a baseline jumper with four seconds left that ended up being the decider. Kobe tries a half court heave that doesn't find the net, although it was pretty close. Yeah, uh, but North Texas yeah. ends up winning, sixty-seven to sixty-five.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Kobe had a little more time than he thought too. He probably could have got about halfway between half court and the three point line, but. I guess, you know, he, he had a look, he took it and it rimmed out. I mean, it was, it was close. It wasn't quite, uh, Iona close to going in, (laughs) um, but it it was, it was right there. I mean, it was, it was pretty close. It could have gone in this game. I mean, the comeback in the second half is really the story here for me. Um, and I saw today in, in the press conference, you know, Talvin Hester basically said, I didn't really say much in the locker room at halftime. It was the guys that, that said, you know, Hey. Like we're not going down like this and they, they weren't right. They, they really made it a basketball game, especially, you know, they came right out of the half, like you said, Nathan, and just scored seven straight times down the floor and North Texas really didn't do much of anything. I mean, they, they scored a little bit, but tech, you know, really just, I mean, it was the Isaiah Crawford and Kobe Williams show for the whole half. I think I saw a Kane uh, tweet that they scored 42 of 47 in the second half and Man, just just watching those two work was like it, it was just crazy in that second half where it, you're just I don't think they're actually picking rolls, but they're at the top of the key. And and uh, Crawford, you know, stands with his back towards the goal. Kobe gives him the ball and then Crawford gives Kobe back the ball and he just drives the lane and scores. And then they do the they do it the other way, too. Right. Where Kobe gives Zay the ball and Zay scores. So it's just like. Man, it it was just fun to watch them go off, uh, especially there in person and and uh, feel all that nervous energy in the crowd as the uh, as Tech really made it a made it a game.
0: I really wonder if Lofton wasn't last year, like if if we're not playing in Junior Lofton's shadow, if Isaiah Crawford gets a little more uh, accolade, <laughs> gets a little more pat on the back for his performances here, but because we're living with, uh, oh well, Junior Lofton was doing all this kind of stuff a year ago. Then it's a little bit ho- harder to escape that shadow, but it also makes me really sad. What if Crawford was healthy all year and they get hurt in oh, the third yeah. game of the year?
1: Man, having having like a three pronged attack would just be crazy. And and I, you know, one thing that I I wonder about this game, really looking at the box score, and I already mentioned that th- the two guys, uh, Kobe and, and Isaiah, scored almost all the points in the second half, and it was a great second half performance from them you know 47 total points in that half after scoring 18 um and this is a team North Texas that doesn't give up 47 points in a half right this yeah. that's that's impressive but one thing that stands out to me here is Keiston Willis was 3 for 4 in the game from 3 and I don't know that he really touched the ball much in the second half to be honest so I wonder if that was just an adjustment from North Texas that they weren't going to let him shoot or if we just completely went away from him because you know, he expressed some frustration after the UAB game about the team and, and not, you know, not shooting well and not having the fortitude, I guess, if you want to say, to to win these close games. And, uh, you know, I wonder why we went away from that, because it seemed to be working on Wednesday night. It was.
0: Yeah, I do find it weird that Willis is also tied for the leading rebounder on the team mm-hmm. at, at six foot three. I, I I'm not sure what exactly is going on, but.
1: Not a lot of rebounds in this game from Tech, just 25. And only twenty eight
0: from North but Texas. Twenty
1: eight from North Texas. Yeah, I mean they like to slow the the game down, right? I mean the pace yeah. was uh, our guy. Our guy uh, Dave um, Charmillionaire tweeted that North Texas's pace is a war crime, <laughs> <laughs> and I I think that's true. I mean it's just they just want to bleed that clock, man. It's yeah. crazy.
0: They're playing basketball without the forward pass.
1: Yeah, but yeah, I mean. These games are always close. And even when it looks like it's not going to be right, this was the 12th time in the last 13 games where it ended as a seven point or closer game. And six of those last 13 have (laughs) been decided by two or fewer points. So this is a series that needs to continue, um, you know, in in basketball, like we better be playing North Texas every year, you know, out of conference starting next year. so. And I'm not just saying that because I live 45 minutes away, but that does help.
0: Yeah, I did do the math. We had joked last week that you would put more miles on your car than there would be points on the scoreboard. Figuring that you drove from your house, which is, I won't say the address of, but that's 96 miles round trip. There were 132 points scored, so not quite.
1: Yeah, not quite, not quite.
0: But yeah, this was a defensive struggle. And then uh, UAB, we went back to scoring. Um, I think there was 10 minutes left in the second half when we crossed the 65 point mark.
1: Yeah, didn't get too much pass there, though, unfortunately. So, I mean, yeah, this uh, this game, I'll, I'll cover it real quick. Um, it's back and forth first half that ended with Tech having a one-point advantage at halftime. Um, but the lead did not last long. The Blazers came out to a 10-0 run in the second half, going up 44-35. Tech responded with an 8-0 run to get back within striking distance. And then with nine minutes left, the game's tied at 60, the eighth tie of the game. Over the next four minutes, the Bulldogs built out to an eight-point lead, 70-62. to 62. But with four minutes left, Isaiah Crawford picked up a technical for his fifth and uh, has to head to the bench, therefore allowing UAB to end the game with a 19-4 to 4 run, heading back to Birmingham victorious with an 81-74 defeat of the Bulldogs.
0: Yeah, this one just sucked to see, if only because Tech's defense played well something I was concerned about was just how much effort they would have expended in Denton to come back home and then try to play good defense against a high-powered offense I mean they forced UAB to a field goal percentage of 37.1 percent yeah the difference being though is that Tech got nine fewer rebounds and had four more turnovers so lost both of those battles and That gave UAB more shots to be a little less accurate with, but it was still enough for them to get the win.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't say enough how this game completely changed when Isaiah Crawford fouled out. If you look at his box score, right, it's four rebounds, four points. That's pretty terrible. Two blocks, okay, that's good. One steal, okay, that's good. Four points, four rebounds is not what you expect, especially after he just put up, what, 25, 27, something like that? Like, yeah, 25 against North Texas, like... Man, where you would look at this box score and say he did not show up. However, Kobe Williams, 27 points, eight rebounds. The whole reason he's able to be effective, especially in the second half in the paint, is that Isaiah Crawford is on the floor and we use a two pronged attack to, you know, to like that's our approach to playing offense is those two guys get them going, get them involved or at the very least create space for Kobe by having Isaiah Crawford on the floor. Crawford fouls out and UAB goes to a a half court trap. And we literally like scored four points the whole final four minutes of the game after Crawford fouls out. So, I mean, it just completely shut down our offense an offense that had been very effective. Right. We, like you said, Nathan, it was like 10 minutes in the second half when we passed our score from last week. Yeah. Then we scored like five more points the whole game. Right. Like it's the fact that, Isaiah Crawford had that big of an impact on our offenses, like efficiency when he only put up four points himself is insane. But yeah, I mean, this really felt like a game we should have won and it just slipped away from us because of that, you know, because of Crawford fouling out. Yeah. And I I mean, the other thing I'll say about this game too, is the fouls, man, like every, everything was a foul on both teams. Insane. Like the refs were not going to let them play. UAB's got one guy fouling out and four guys with four fouls. Like, come on, man. That that's it's too much. Like you're not you're not letting them play. Tech has two players foul out. We had Kenny Hunter foul out and and Crawford. You know, it's it's just really frustrating when it's like, you know, it's stuff away from the ball, it's stuff on the ball. It's like, you know, just everything's being called a foul. There were 28 called on UAB, 26 on Tech for a total of what was that 50 54 or something like that i mean just pathetic officiating from the crew and you just want to let the kids play right i I don't know man let them decide it on the floor and if crawford doesn't foul out there we're down to a a photo finish i think but it really was kind of over when crawford fouled out
0: or if crawford doesn't foul out and jemison gets his fifth instead of only ending the night with four like there are things that happen that go if this happened slightly differently than the result could have been drastically different
1: you know the, like you mentioned the uh the turnovers but the rebounds i mean really it's the offensive rebounds we gave up that i think are the story here it's 30 second chance points for uab there were some possessions where they got they got two or three extra shots you know just from us not boxing out like we were in position and and then somebody would just fly in and grab the rebound 30 second chance points for uab in a game that they won by seven so i mean there you go they outscored us in that category by 23 points
0: yeah just insane
1: yeah and they didn't have jelly walker so yeah really even, like even more of a reason yeah it really feels like we should have won this game man at home no jelly walker leading late i mean anyway it was a, it was a frustrating loss
0: it was a frustrating loss However, Tech played two of the best teams in Conference USA this week and played them both close. Yep. Granted, UAB was without Jelly Walker, and North Texas has shown that they kind of lay an egg every now and then. But it's a weird week where you go 0-2 and go, okay, I don't think we suck. I think yeah. Matt, if he were on the show right now, would disagree with me. Yeah, but he would. <laughs> this is a middle-of-the-pack team right now. This is a middle-of-the-conference kind of basketball team and conference USA is above average this year compared to previous years. So that's also saying something here, but it all comes down to the tournament and it always does. Tech has a lot of time to get some momentum, even though we talked about how momentum didn't always help in the North Texas game. Tech has some time to figure themselves out, figure out how to keep Crawford on the floor and keep him out of foul trouble, figure out ways to scheme Kobe into kind of taking over games, figure out ways to keep Keaston Willis in the game with his three point ball. There's time to figure all this out. And granted, we're more than halfway through the season now, but we're only just barely ha- more than halfway through the season. And this week, Tech team plays against two also middle-of-pack Conference USA schools, both at home. And if there's a time to find your footing and try to build some momentum heading in the future, especially when you play UAB in another week after this week, this would be the week to figure it out.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, I think one thing that that Hester talked about today is in his press conference, he said, we have a standard, the standard as players and coaches we're chipping away. Uh, the tight games will flip for us. We have to believe in the process. And he says the detriment of a lot of coaches is that they don't buy into what they're preaching. He said, we haven't lost more than one game by double digits all year, which I don't know if that's completely accurate or not. I know the Wyoming game was the really ugly one, but, um, he said, we'll get there. So, and I believe him. Right? I mean, he's right. That North Texas comeback makes me believe in this team. Yeah, Kobe's shot didn't go in, and yeah, their their guy made a good shot at, that was well defended at the buzzer, right? But uh, and we go home with the loss, the same as if we'd folded up and lost by thirty. But they didn't fold up and lose by thirty when they easily could have. And so, you know, I, I think this team is good enough to put together a run in March. They are so, and that's what we need. That's what we've always needed.
0: Or. Really, like you said a second ago, Tech is only, or what Talvin Hester said in his press conference, Tech has only one lost that one game by more than 10 points, and that was Wyoming. Texas Tech was nine. ULL was six. Stephen F. Austin was an overtime loss by one. UTEP was five. Charlotte was two. North Texas was two. And then UAB just now was seven. Yeah. Granted, it, it almost feels like the Skip Holtz curse transferred to basketball when he left the football team. But these are some tough teams that we played in this group too: Texas Tech, ULL, Charlotte, North Texas and UAB. So that's five of the eight teams that we've lost to this year on the top 100 in college basketball, according to or like oh, wow. a, a top 100 opponent adjusting for the location of the game. Whatever that means, Ken Palm, you get <laughs> weird with it sometimes. But these are all good teams that Tech lost to, with the exception of Wyoming, which was the blowout Stephen F. Austin and UTEP. And even those are not horrible schools.
1: No, I mean, SFA is basically like kind of even with us in in Ken Palm this year. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's I don't think this is a bad team, you know, and I.
0: I don't think it's a great team, but it's definitely not a bad team.
1: Definitely not a great team. I mean, great teams find a way to win these games. And that's what Hester's saying, I think. I don't think he would argue we're a great team. I think he's saying we the pieces are in place. We just have to like they have to find they have to find their way. Right. They have to. They have to figure out how to win these close games. And they did beat, you know, last week they did win two close games. So, you know. And
0: and it's another time to bring up the youth of this team. Yeah. The the only senior on the roster is Draven Magnum, who's a first year to our team. You have a bunch of juniors with Kobe and Isaiah Crawford and Keiston Willis and Quandre Bullock. But even... They have another year here. (laughs) Juniors are not seniors. So I'm optimistic about the future, and I continue to be, and that optimism still carries through this season. We saw last year what happens when a team gets hot going into the tournament. You almost win the whole thing, and maybe that's what happens this year. Uh, A game to get back on track would be this Thursday, January 19th, at home against Western Kentucky, also streaming on CBS Sports Network. So it's a later game. It's 8 o'clock Central or 9 o'clock my time. Gives me plenty of time to get home from work. Uh, Western Kentucky is 20 and 20 all time against Louisiana Tech, but Tech swept the Hilltoppers in both games last year. So momentum?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Western Kentucky's had a really weird year. I don't even really know how to explain this. They start out eight and one, with their only loss being to a pretty decent Akron team. Shout out Matt correspondent Jake
0: it is funny that's akron though
1: akron's pretty good at basketball but um yeah, but so anyway but yeah eight and one you know beating not really beating anyone good they beat tulane uh along the way then they had a five game losing streak where they lost to some you know some big names like louisville but louisville is real bad this year like like real bad like ulm bad
0: i think 80th worst
1: yeah and then you know south carolina rice mtsu north texas so Not exactly the easiest path there, but still, I mean, you're not expecting to start eight and one and then drop to eight and six with that schedule. Then they win three straight, including a win over UAB in Birmingham. Yeah, in Birmingham. So pretty impressive. And then they uh, ultimately lost to FAU, uh, who's having, of course, the dream season over there. So 11 and seven after starting eight and one is, yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of weird.
0: Yeah. It, it, another team I think is still trying to find their identity this year,
1: which is weird for them. Cause like, I mean, they didn't lose their star player this past off season, right? Charles Bassey went in two years ago, didn't he? Yeah. Jamarian
0: Sharp is a name we recognized from last year, but according to that stats I have up, he hasn't really seen the ball
1: very much. Yeah. But he's, he makes it, he makes his impact elsewhere. I think. We'll talk about
0: that in a second. Let's talk about yeah. the team as a whole first uh, on offense. The team is a pretty good shooting team, but that mostly comes from the three-point ball, which is, you know, always makes me kind of nervous. Yeah. A averaging a thirty-six and a half percent three-point percentage, that's fifty-seventh best in the country. Uh, not so great at two-point shooting, not so great at free throw shooting. Uh, but they don't get blocks, they don't turn over the ball on steals, or really turn over the ball at all. But they don't get offensive rebounds, so they're able to shoot the three. They're able to avoid turnovers. But they're not able to get rebounds. That's the three points about this
1: offense. Yeah, I mean defensively, um, it, it's kind of interesting. They it looks like they give up a lot of offensive rebounds. So I guess they just don't rebound well on either side of the floor, which is which is kind of interesting. But what's a backboard? Yeah, they're pretty decent. You know, defending um, shots. They're 122nd overall in effective field goal percentage. Uh, they're about middle of the pack top half in, uh, in forcing turnovers. And, um, you know, they give up a lot of three pointers, um, 279th in the nation and are pretty decent at defending against the two. But I I think the, the key thing here for me is that they're number eight in the nation in block percentage. So you can bet that I'm going to pick a certain somebody as my player to watch.
0: Not (laughs) if I pick them first. Damn it! Because my player to watch. No, I'll go, I'll, I'll go ahead and let you have him.
1: No, nah, I mean whatever whatever you feel, man. Whatever you feel.
0: And I'll go for the chaos then. Yeah, my player to watch this week is Jamarion Sharp. Like you said, Evan, a second ago, eighth best block percentage on defense, and that's because they have the number one blocker in college basketball. Yep. I believe block percentage is the number of block shots over opponents two point attempts. So 17% of the two-point shots that are attempted while Sharp is on the court, he
1: blocks. (laughs) Uh, Man, am I? Wow. Am I reading this right? So I I went to Jamari on Sharp's uh, player profile on Ken Palm. Looks like last year he had the number one effective field goal percentage in the nation. 73.2%, which is uh, quite impressive. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That and he also, he was number two in block percentage, even though he had a better block rate last year 17.8 percent but yeah let's see last year in in their conference tournament game against us their loss against us uh he had six blocks in their earlier game where we came back and won 74 to 73 he had four blocks he also had a 10 block performance last year a double double though a, tri- a triple double with 10 points 11 rebounds or 12 rebounds and uh and <laughs> 10 blocks. I don't think I've ever seen that before. That is insane. Yeah. So, anyway, obviously, Jamarion Sharp it, it can have a huge impact, especially, you know, if Tech can't get yeah. the three ball going, right? I mean, that's going to be huge. We're going to have to have some threat of shots from outside, you know, because Jamarion Sharp is seven foot five, which feels like not a real number that you can be height wise, but. <laughs> Those are
0: just numbers you put together. That's not a real thing. I mean, really, I think the biggest thing is how does he match up against us when we don't have Junior bullying him down low? Yeah. Both games last year for Sharp, he ended the night with four fouls. Mm -hmm. So he had to play less aggressively to stay in the game. So can Isaiah Crawford give him that impact? Can, uh, Can Kenny Hunter do something? I don't know. We'll have to see.
1: Yeah. Is Kobe going to be able to drive the lane and and get him to foul him without just, you know, letting him wait for the shot to go up? And you know anyway, I think it'll be it'll be a really interesting thing to see our strategy, because like against North Texas, we found our we found our way inside in the second half. And I don't I don't know if that's as possible here against Western. So uh, I'll go ahead and, you know, since you stole my tall guy right out from under me. Um, I'm going to pick Davion McKnight, another guy whose name, uh, everybody probably recognizes. Um, he's, he's their he's their point guard, you know, about 50% of the time. And then he plays the two, um, 80 or the other 36% of the time. So he's on the floor 90% of the time for this team. And he's involved in almost all their possessions, right? He's, he's an assist guy. He's a steal guy. I mean, he just does a little bit of everything for them, and he's gonna he's gonna be the player that if he can get it going, um, I think he's the key for them, honestly, to uh to have a shot in this game. And you know, even in their losses, he's putting up performances of twenty eight, twenty five. Th- he's he had a thirty point performance this year, yeah. So he he's the guy that's gonna score. Um, in their win over UAB this past weekend, he put up twenty seven uh, points. Yeah, so he he's just. Really good basketball player. He's gonna shoot shoot the ball pretty well. Yeah. You
0: know, to cover one other player since Matt isn't here, and probably the player I would have picked had I not been able to cut the legs out from Evan and and pick the guy with the long legs and Jamarion Sharp. Uh is their three point specialist, uh, not Peter, but Luke Frampton. Uh, uh-huh. has hit forty four point two percent of his three pointers so far this year. That's in the top hundred in college basketball. Uh I'm always afraid of the three point shooting teams and Western Kentucky has been able to shoot the three this year and that mostly goes through him so if they're able to put together a run or who knows what but if there is a shoe point shoe point a three-point shooting frenzy then it will be because of Luke Frampton
1: yeah yeah Uh, that's a good choice and you know it's crazy I I looked at their roster and I pretty much recognize all the names like there are a couple here and there that I'm like I'm not sure if I remember that player but you know it's it's a team that we've been really familiar with because we've played them you know, multiple times the last few years, especially in the in the Bassy days, it was always fun watching him square up with whoever we had in the in the middle, um be it Lofton or or uh you know whoever we had before Lofton. I don't remember at this point. <laughs> but, uh,
0: you know, Michael Kaiser, I don't know something. Somebody came in the middle of that, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's funny though because looking at MTSU, our next opponent, I don't recognize any of these dudes. Like I don't know, I don't know who any of these guys are.
0: Yeah, we stay at the Tech to take on the Blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee on Saturday, January twenty-first at four p.m. Central on ESPN Plus. If you're not able to make it to the Thomas Assembly Center, the Bulldogs are thirteen and five all time against the Blue Raiders and did not play Middle Tennessee last year.
1: Yeah, they're another one that's you know kind of it kind of feels like they're similar to us, right? They're eleven and seven overall, number one hundred twenty-eight. They've had some pretty bad losses, including last week to UTSA, or a couple weeks ago to UTSA, number 322 in Ken Palm. Oof. Yeah, they lost that one on the road, then they headed home and and put up a good fight against North Texas, but ultimately lost. Are we sure it they wel- didn't just show up at the wrong high school gym in the San Antonio area? Yeah, maybe. Are you, su- are you suggesting that they lost to a high school, or...? <laughs>
0: I'm suggesting that <laughs> they fielded a team of high schoolers to play at the UTSA game because the, uh, the Middle right. Tennessee team didn't show up.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. And, and UTSA barely prevailed. Yeah, um, and
0: that is my answer. That's way less convoluted than a team just not playing well in one night. Of course,
1: yeah. Uh, on a cross-country plane flight, to, you know, from Murfreesboro to, to San Antonio. But yeah, I mean, they also have some pretty decent wins here. They beat Belmont at or no, on the road. Belmont's number 129. They beat Montana State. Uh, they beat Stephen F Austin by a pretty good margin when we lost to them and they just beat UAB at home 74 to 73 in overtime on Monday. So 2 days after we played UAB, um MTSU defeated them. Jo- uh Jelly Walker also did not play in that game. Um But yeah, they were able to get the job done and where we were not. So, you know, it's kind of interesting if this game was on the road. I I think I'd feel a lot worse about it than I probably do. But let's see. Well, let's get into it.
0: This is an interesting team. Not as interesting, I don't think, in terms of wins and losses as Western Kentucky with what the hell happened in the late December period. But a team that has beat some good teams and lost to some bad teams and also had some Unimpressive performances against some very bad teams. So we'll have to see, especially with them playing Charlotte on Thursday, how they look heading into this game against Louisiana Tech.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, looks like offensively, I mean, there's nothing that really jumps out as like, oh, wow, this team's very, very good at this specific thing, but they're fairly solid across the board, right? They're about like just in the top half in effective field goal percent, number 134. Ah, uh, they pull down a lot of offensive boards. they they're, you know, just outside the top one hundred in that category. Um, they do turn the ball over a little bit more, which is something Tech should try to take advantage of. But, yeah, I mean, nothing really jumps out here. They don't really score a lot of three pointers. only twenty seven percent of their points come from three pointers. yeah, anything anything jump out to you here?
0: Not so much offensively, but defensively. I think is the only area where I'm a little more concerned. And that's because we'll play against Jamarion Sharp in Western Kentucky, who's a blocking machine, but then we'll play a middle Tennessee team that also is able to get defensive blocks. They rank seventh best in the country uh, with 16% of the shots taken against them being blocked. Uh, Most of which have come from a guy who is only six foot eight, sorry, six foot seven. Uh, And we'll talk about players in a second, but Tifail Leonard. Is a six foot seven guy who ranks in the top forty in blocks in the country. So a different style to try to be wary about. And if Tech tries to drive, or if Kobe's not able to get the fouls when he drives, and instead gets his shot misdirected or blocked entirely, that's a concern I have. However, if this is a night for Keaston Willis to kind of like show up after the post game comments he made earlier this week, it would be this one because Middle Tennessee is only allowing. A 37% three-point percentage, which is four points worse than the Division One average. So that means that Middle Tennessee is a bottom 50 three-point defense. So this should be a game that if Tech wants to shoot the three-point ball, and if they happen to get hot, there won't be much stopping them, which is good news because Tech could use a win.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like you said, come on, like, let's see it then, you know? Yeah.
0: The really interesting thing, though, I see on this page, though, is something I think you probably already knew. So middle Tennessee plays in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, but their basketball arena is called the Murphy Center. Yep. And spelled differently than Murfree.
1: It is. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of, there's a big conspiracy. It's uh, you know, big fight over how to spell Murphy up there. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's Murfree and not Murphy, but yeah. Uh, Murphy Center. It's, it's decent. It's, it's a nice. they
0: charge admission to get in.
1: Yeah. It's not free. Yes. There, yeah. there you go. You figured it out.
0: I've, I've solved it. I can take down this board with yarn attached to it that I've been slowly building over the last 35 seconds. Yeah. Anyway, is there a player on this team that scares you with this Middle Tennessee squad?
1: I mean, it's it's interesting because, you know, normally a team will have one either their point guard or their shooting guard as their sort of major contributor in, uh, in Ken Palm. And, you know, I'm normally looking a little bit further down the page to find that that center, that big that's gonna clog up the middle and stop Kobe from doing what Kobe wants to do. Uh on middle Tennessee, though, their their five is six foot six DeAndre Dishman, uh, which is a great name for a basketball player. Uh, you know, unfortunately his assist rate is not <laughs> that high. It's the highest on the team, 18.5, uh, but it's not like nationally ranked. So he but this is a five. He plays 70% of the minutes at the five. He handles the ball on 27% of possessions, which is, you know, pretty high, has a really high effective field goal percentage, pulls down offensive boards. I mean, this guy, this guy does a little bit of everything. A lot of blocks, a lot of steals. He's six foot six playing the five and he's pretty effective at it. Um, you know, so DeAndre Dishman is, is going to be my guy here to watch.
0: I mentioned Leonard a second ago, who's able to get those blocks. He's also able to get steals, uh, as a six foot seven, uh, He plays both the three and the four quite a bit, so we'll see who he's matched up. But really, I have my eyes on who I'm collectively calling the Eli's and Eli Lawrence and Elias King. I'm sure they love that that tandem nickname, mostly because I'll be true to brand. If you'll be true to brand and pick the big, I'll pick a three-point shooters. Eli Lawrence, number five, has taken 76 three-point shots, and Elias King has taken 65. Uh, Both of them averaged 35%. From three-point land which is not great but those are the guys who will shoot the three-pointers that's not a horrible three-point shooting percentage but all in a sample yeah. size of one game one of those two guys could get hot and that could spell trouble for Louisiana
1: Tech yeah and they're not particularly good at shooting threes but like you said I mean it <laughs> they don't look at that before the game and say like okay we're not good at shooting threes so let's not even try no if one of those guys gets a hot hand they will absolutely take it and you know take it to the bank with a w coming out of rustin so yeah.
0: and to be fair the guy who actually has the best three-point shooting percentage on the team is the backup to your guy yeah. was it the 18 percent of the time 28 percent of the time that deandre dishman isn't on the court it's usually jared coleman jones and he has hit two three-pointers as a six foot ten center yeah yep. two of two he has yet to miss
1: yeah so thousand batting a thousand there um but yeah i mean i, I think This middle Tennessee team is really interesting, right? I I don't really know what to make of it um, because they don't jump out at you, but they have beaten some pretty good teams.
0: So with that being said, let's go to predictions. We'll predict both these games at the same time. Uh, Both these games, all three of the bureaus that we use to talk about predictions by computer polls all pick tech to win both of these games. For Western Kentucky, Ken Palm gives Tech a 63% chance to win, 74-70. to 70. Massey gives Tech a 61% chance to win, 72-68. to 68. And ESPN BPI does not do score predictions, but they do give Tech a 66.6% chance to win. That sounds ominous. Don't like <laughs> that. Uh, but they still predict us to win, so I guess that's better than a 66.6% chance to lose. Uh, then against Middle Tennessee... Again, both these games are at home. Ken Palm gives Tech a 58% chance to win with a final score predicted of 71-69. to 69. Massey is 67% chance to win, 73-68. to 68. And ESPN goes less with the sign of the devil and a 65% chance to win for Louisiana Tech in this one. Sign of the Beast, that's what I was trying to think of. That's what it's called. Anyway, a lot of 60-something percent chances to win both of these games.
1: Yeah, uh, I'd say that's about how I feel about both the games. I mean, you know, I'm not sure with this team, just like we've talked about all season. I'm not sure what the identity is going to be week to week, but it feels like we found the balance of Kobe and Isaiah, especially in that second half, um, against North Texas. And like I said, Isaiah's score did not show up in the UAB, uh, loss, but his presence on the court was obvious once he was off the court. Right. So It feels like with those two guys on the floor, we uh, we have a pretty decent offensive attack. And especially if we can get some uh, a third player involved, like Keaston scoring 23, I believe in that UAB loss. I don't know, man. I think this team has, you know, they have it in them to win close games. We saw that not this past week, but the week before that. And they played two much better teams, North Texas and UAB close. And probably could have won both of those games, at least one of them. So I think playing against decent but lesser competition than last week, both at home, I think we've I think we win both of these games. I think they're close within a single digits, but I'll say tech beats Western, let's say 78 to 75, and MTSU, let's say 68 to 62.
0: Yeah, I really think this will be a bounce-back week for the Bulldogs. I I think you feel pretty good about those two games, even though they're losses, and that's able to carry over a little bit. Uh, Western Kentucky has shown they're able to show up sometimes, but I really don't think that they've fully solved the issues that caused that five-game losing streak in late December. Uh, The only exciting win they've had since that is over UAB, which is meaningful, but the wins against UTSA and FIU are not really doing it for me. Uh, so I I really think that Tech is able to take home a win against Western Kentucky. But I think that, I really think Tech loses one of these games this week. Like maybe it's a runaway game against Western Kentucky and a close loss to to middle. But I want to be optimistic. I want to say they go 2-0 this week because they very well could. There's not really that much stopping them from doing it. But I, I think there's still some things to figure out. I don't think this team is fully ready for I guess the tournament, but I don't think any team really is. But I think that there's some missteps. There's some allowing second chance opportunities or Crawford can't stay out of foul trouble and tech goes one and one on the week. Uh final score predictions final, final score predictions always seem kind of arbitrary because it's it's hard to get that detailed with basketball. But yeah, I think that both it's these anyway. games are in the in the seventies for tech. So I think tech scores like let's say Western Kentucky is 75 to 62 and then middle Tennessee is like a one point loss 76 to 75
1: yeah I could see that too yeah hopefully not but you know hopefully a bounce back week across the board
0: yeah but you know what team doesn't need a bounce back week that's the lady texters how they do this week
1: 2-0 and baby yeah I mean uh no Anilor Roberson no problem the texters went 2-0 and beating North Texas 81 to 66 and uab 61 to 55 you know obviously hope roberson can get back soon but with these performances keanu walker's putting up uh you know we're able to win games without her the senior guard put up 23 and 26 in the games her fourth straight 20 point performances in roberson's absence um that was enough to get her named conference player of the week this week and uh other things to note tech shot 64% from the field in the North Texas game, which is God. crazy. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't see like the number, but it it said that was one of their best offensive performances of the past 20 years. So, <laughs> um, you know, not bad. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, great week, you know, the, those games were, uh, we expected them to be close and, and tough games. And, you know, the, I think, UAB kind of put up a fight towards the end to make it close, but it was, you know, Tech was kind of running away with it um, before they before they pulled within single digits.
0: As of right now, Tech is 11-6 overall, 4-3 and three in conference play, uh, just around the same area of the Massey rankings as they've been in all year, around ranking 140 in the country. This week, they'll take on the same two teams that the men's team will take on in Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee, but while the men stay home, the ladies travel to... I almost said Hilltopper, Kentucky, which is not the name of the town where the Hilltoppers play. So it's Bowling Green, Kentucky, and Murfreesboro. That one I remember, Tennessee. Western Kentucky is number 150 on the year in the Massey rankings, a 43% chance to win this game, 69-65, to final score predicted as a loss. Middle Tennessee has kind of been the Coosa darling in women's basketball. They're ranked at number 37, and Massey, a 15% chance to win. With the final score predicted of 71 to 57
1: yeah so the notes from the north texas game say 64 percent shooting marked the best single game percentage since january 30th 2003 against boise state when they shot 64.2 percent um so it's not the record and it doesn't say you know i bet we had some pretty high high uh percentage games back in the 80s uh when we played like you know you know lamar or whatever but Who knows? Lamar was probably really good at women's basketball in the eighties. Who am I kidding?
0: (laughs) The highest field goal percentage by tech in a home game, which is what I'm able to find right now. 69.1% shooting in in a game against Tennessee on December 14th, 1982.
1: Wow. Against Tennessee. Yeah. That's wow. 69% from the field. How many points did we score in that game? Does it say
0: that would have been an 80 to 64 win?
1: Okay. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Man, it is insane. We still have the fourth best all time winning percentage of any D1 program in women's yeah. basketball. Man.
0: Not enough. Nope. Not good
1: enough. Nope. Definitely not good enough. All right. So the only other thing I wanted to mention was that the tennis team started out their season pretty well. Uh they went two and one at the Tulsa Hurricane Invite, uh, beating Wyoming. I believe they're called sets. Six to one in six set? sets to one. And beating omaha seven sets to zero by a touchdown yeah while falling to the hosts six to one uh falling to tulsa there so um pretty good start and uh you know looking forward to paying attention to them because i know they did pretty well last year and return a lot of a lot of good talent
0: yeah i got i gotta say though looking at the notes since you typed out the tennis a little bit i definitely read it as there was a hurricane named the hurricane invite not the Tulsa hurricane invite being the name of the competition. I was confused well, about was what was happening.
1: hurricane invite? And I was like, who would invite a hurricane? To-? And I was like, oh, <laughs> Tulsa. Okay, got Yeah, that, they're the kind of weirdos what that, that would in invite January, a hurricane. Like, it's not hurricane season yet. Like, why are we naming? That's why you
0: have to invite it. They're a little shy this time of year.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: anyway, let's go to someone else's joke. Let's go to the tweet of the week. This week's tweet of the week goes to Peyton Bonvillain, who is also Cajun underscore underscore x i think there's two underscores there yeah. who with the news this past week of the buckies coming to Rustin and landry liddy exiting it's a soul for a soul and then a picture of both
1: great tweet um you know the yeah we 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 lost landry liddy but we gained one oil-based beaver so is there the you go.
0: beaver oil-based or does he just profit off of the oil
1: i mean uh, maybe both i, I don't know like, he's, he's so into the oil industry that he's, like, become oil.
0: I do like the idea of an oil tycoon beaver. Really kind of like doing a VeggieTales version of U.S. history. But, yeah, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Go Tech, Please do podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E. Or head to our blog, dog where you can read some blog posts. You can also... Go to the shop on the website gtpdd.dog/shop, where you can get this month's shirt of the month while it's while it's still January. It is a hand check shirt, so go ahead and get that shirt. And sell for the other shirts that are still up for sale at gtpdd.dog/shop. And until next time, I'm Nathan.
1: I'm Evan. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> go Tech. Please don't die.
0: Until next time, I'm Nathan.
1: I'm DeColdest Crawford. And Evan not, was around I'm, here somewhere. I don't I'm, know where yeah, he I'm, ended up. I'm Evan. Sorry. <laughs>
0: oh, there you are. Okay. Yeah, I, I came, did Dakota steal your mic for a second?
1: Yeah. Yeah, he did. Okay. I, We're going to give him an NIL deal. We're going to be DeColdest podcast around. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying that Dairy Queen <laughs> owner, who, whatever he, his name is, he's on the forums and stuff. That dude needs to sign him up for an NIL deal right now. Yes. And you can cut and all of this.
0: Why would I cut gold? Yeah. Bring back the, the DQ race at more things. Yeah. Put, put the ice cream cone in a Jersey of the Crawford. Who gets,
1: who gets to be the cold? Yeah. Like who's, who's the coldest, like the coldest section in the, in the stadium wins like the blizzard race. Yeah. I don't know.
0: I thought you were going to see which was called a blizzard or an ice cream cone by like going to dairy queen with a thermometer seeing which one's colder and then giving Crawford that costume to run the race in or (laughs) not, you know, you know, there's no, this is kind of the, this is the the part where we just kind of throw ideas at the wall and see what sticks. Apparently it wasn't that one. That one wasn't the idea to (laughs) run with, but you know,
1: listen, we're, we're not, we're not the uh, marketing gurus here. Somebody else can handle this. However, uh, we have cool stickers, so check out our Twitter. <laughs>
0: but, yeah, we have the coldest stickers, gtpdd.dog shop.